You're listening to teaching from the Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. About 2.30 this morning, I was awoken by my boxer barking. And you can just kind of tell by the bark that she has something cornered. And I had taken a bunch of allergy medicine, and so I was out of it. And so, man, I'm in my pajamas, and I don't have my glasses on, and I'm walking out there, and I was just praying it wasn't a skunk. It ended up not being a skunk. She had a possum that was cornered. And I'm like... I can barely open up my eyes, and I'm, I'm just trying to think, oh, how can I deal with this thing? And, and it makes such a ruckus. My wife wakes up, and I'm like, hey, Julie, won't you deal with this? I, I can't deal with it. And, and she didn't go for that. And so, man, I grab a broom, and, and, and man, I'm just trying to, trying to get this possum to go away. I'm trying to get the dog away. And I'm like, I'm not getting in the middle because I'm going to get bit by both of you. And it, it, it was just a traumatic experience. And, and here I am. I, I finally get the dog distracted. And the possum takes off, and then my boxer was like a bowling ball. I mean, it runs through two bushes, and man, it grabs the possum. It was like, oh, I am the possum slayer. Don't call me Delilah anymore. And we're like, oh, poor possum. And Delilah's like, this is my trophy. And so we go and get a shovel, and we're trying to, trying to get it away. And Delilah just keeps on taking the possum and runs with it. And I'm like, it's 2.30 in the morning, dog. I have to preach. Come on, help me out. So we took it. We flayed it up. We added some chili, and we're going to have possum chili today. So I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So... In Arkansas, that, that's truly what they would do, but that's, that's a different, different story. I, I got an invitation to my 25th uh, high school reunion. It, it, it's hard for me to believe that it, it's coming up. And, and when I was at my parents' house, my boys got the yearbook out. And, and you know, in our yearbooks, there, there's, this isn't my yearbook, but mine's much older than this that's, that's up on screen. But... But you'll see most likely to in a lot of the yearbooks, like most likely to succeed, most likely to be an attorney, most likely to be a professional athlete, most likely to be late to graduation, Uh, I mean, most likely to make millions of dollars. And and when I was thinking about this, most likely to, the, the two apostles that we're talking about would be the most likely not to be apostles. Uh, today, we're in a series, and, and first of all, let me just say this. If, if you're new here, we're very glad that you're here. Uh, we, we love you, and we're glad that you're part of, that you came to worship here. But secondly, we're in a series called uh, Follow the Leader, and, and we're talking about the apostles. And, and today, we're talking about two of them. We're talking about Matthew and, and Thomas. Matthew was also called Levi. He was the son of Alphas. He's also the author of the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. And he was also a what? Tax collector. I would also say that he was known to have friends that were notorious sinners. And they they were outcasts. And and when you were a tax collector, what you would do is you would go to the Roman emperor and you would buy a tax 
franchise, and you would collect as many taxes as you could that could help Rome finance everything that they were building and everything that they were doing, and anything else that you could get, you could pad your pocket with. And so they were known to be cheaters. They were known to be scoundrels. They were known to, to hire thugs to go and, and to you and say, oh, you got to pay this or this guy's going to take care of you. Or they would threaten you with a Roman soldier and say, hey, I'm going to go tell a Roman soldier to take you out. And th they would do anything that they possibly could do to get money from you. What we're going to also see is that Matthew had a toll booth on the edge of town, near the, the Sea of Galilee, which is really a lake. Some people call it the Lake of Galilee or the Lake of Tiberias. And he, he had a little toll booth there, most likely positioned right where boats and ships would come in so that he could go through and tax everything possible. If it wasn't right there on the harbor or a place where boats were coming in, it was most likely on a road that was leading to Caporium. Now, there are two types of tax collectors. There's the gabai. Those were the general tax collectors. They collected property tax and income tax and poll tax and standardized tax. And then there was the mohekis, or however you want to say it. That's how I'm going to say it. They collected duties. They collected a duty on all imports and exports. And they, they would take it on fish and grain and fruit. And they would set toes for roads and bridges and, and harbors. And they, they would look for things. Oh, well, this wagon has two axles, and so for each axle, I'm going to charge a tax. Uh, how many legs are on that donkey? If it has four legs, well, we're going to charge a, a, a tax on it. For packages and letters, you name it. If they walked in here, they'd say, okay, anyone sitting on the back row, that's an extra tax because that's a prime seat. And so we're going to charge you, anyone sitting on the back row, we're going to charge you an extra tax. If you're sitting on the end, that's a really good position to sit in. So we're, you know what? That's going to be a tax. Any of you have your phone? Anybody have phones here today? That we're going to tax you because you have a phone. Anybody have a purse or a wallet? They, they would just come up with things to tax. And Matthew was this type of tax collector. In, in Luke chapter 5, and that's where we're going to camp out for a little bit today, Jesus heals a leper. This leper is an outcast, and, and Jesus transforms his life. And then Jesus is over at a house, and he's teaching, and all of a sudden the the roof starts falling in. I mean, dirt and leaves and all kinds of stuff starts falling in. And there's a hole there. And, and this crippled man is lowered down by some friends. This man that's been begging and begging has been an outcast to society. And, and Jesus heals him again. That's kind of the backdrop of what we're moving into. Jesus makes two outcasts, transforms their life, heals them. And now he's about to transform another outcast, Matthew. Luke chapter 5, if you have your Bibles turned there, it says, Later as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi, or again Matthew, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and what? Left some things? Everything. Left everything and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. 
But the Pharisees and their teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum, such scoundrels? These men, these people are not clean. Verse 31, Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus comes to Levi, comes to Matthew, and gives him an invitation that will change the trajectory of his whole life. In one moment, Matthew is ripping off people, cheating people, doing everything that he can to tax people, and the next minute, he's a disciple with no steady income. Matthew's response is twofold. First of all, he left everything and followed Jesus. Second of all, he threw a party. He throws a party for basically all of his friends who were outcasts. I mean, tax collectors were so hated that the Jewish Talmud said it's okay to lie to them because that's the way they treat people. They treat people very bad. And so it's okay for tax collectors. You can lie to them. You can deceive them. It's okay. They they were not allowed to come into the synagogue. And and so Matthew, though, throws a party for his tax collector's friends and and everyone, basically what we might call riffraffed, outcast people that no one else wanted to hang out with. Those were the people that Matthew hung out with. And he says, hey, this Jesus guy, he's having me be his disciple. He wants me to follow him and learn from him. And and, hey, you know, one thing I'm good at, I'm good at throwing a party. And and, and so he throws a party. He has this banquet. He's got food and drinks and all kinds of things going on. And and Jesus is the center of it. He's the guest of honor. And And Jesus is introduced to all these people. And and what happens is the religious leaders, they say, what? Like, Jesus can't be doing that. I mean, those people are sinners. Those people are bad. Those people are evil. And and we think, well, man, those, those religious teachers, they shouldn't have done that. But how many times have we done the same thing? We we might not say it out loud, but but we've made judgments, haven't we? Uh, historically, as the universal church, sometimes we struggle with looking down on people. And we say, well, they don't look like us, or they don't act like us, or they say some things that make us feel uncomfortable. Yet, notice what Jesus says. He says the people that sometimes we struggle, struggle loving are the very people that he came to minister to. That, that he's on a mission to, to help people, to show them love and compassion. As we've been going through this series, have you noticed how often God calls us to get out of our comfort zone? Have you noticed that? That's something that, as we've been going through this, time and time again, that I, or time and time that I see, is that God calls us to get out of our comfort zone. The greatest way for us to grow is to be uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but I like to be comfortable, right? Now, I mean, that, it, it's much easier in life to be comfortable. But the problem with being comfortable is sometimes you can get into a rut and sometimes you can just kind of go through the motions. But when we're uncomfortable, sometimes God calls us to grow grow a a lot. And let me just share with you one way that God has challenged me to get out of my comfort zone. I'm an introvert. Anybody else an introvert in here? A few of you. For you introverts out there, or for you extroverts out there, let me rephrase that. Some of you, you don't think that introverts like people. 
You, you, you think, well, what's wrong with you? Well, introverts, we love people. Well, most people we love. <laughs> but, but the problem is that lots of people don't always fill our bucket. Being out in a big crowd doesn't always excite us. It doesn't make us have enthusiasm. It doesn't give us a lot of passion. Actually, sometimes we come back exhausted. Sometimes it's hard for us to meet lots of new people, to go up and introduce ourselves. Like when there's a big party and, and, and you're going up and you're like, man, what do I say? What do I do? This, this takes a lot of work for us. And so as I've been praying with God and talking with God, and God keeps on saying, Ronnie, I want you to go all out. I, I want you to be all in, and, and I want you to do everything that you can to meet as many new people as you possibly can. I'm like, God, you know I, I spend a lot of time with people on Sundays, and, and you know that I, I do lots of different things, but he said, no, I want you to kind of take that next step. I said, okay, God, I, you know, when you argue with God, eventually... You, sh- you should learn your lesson. You ought to just say yes right away. But, you know, I, I tend to make excuses. And-, and-, and so I've been walking around my block, and-, and I've been seeing people, and people that I've never met before, I, I would just start going up to them and-, and talking to them. I'm like, but God, you know, they're raking their leaves, and they don't want to be interrupted by me. And God says, no, I want you to go up, and I want you to talk to them. And there's that person at Walmart that's doing something. And God says, hey, I want you to go talk to that person. I'm like, God, they're picking up fruit. Why do you want me to talk to them? And then there's that person at the gas station that, that's filling up gas next to you. And God says, hey, I, I want you to go and talk to them. And, and again, all these excuses are going through my mind. But God keeps on kind of pushing me out of my comfort zone. And, and here's the incredible thing. God has opened up more doors for me to pray with people, to invite people, to minister to people than I've ever thought was possible. Just in the past couple of months, God has just opened up one door after another after another. And and can I tell you, it's been uncomfortable, but God has worked. And and I would just encourage you, is God calling you to get out of your comfort zone? I told Julie after, my wife Julie, after studying this passage, I said, "You you know what we need to do? We need to throw a little Matthew party at our house for our neighbors. There's a few neighbors that we know well, but there's a lot of people that we don't know well. And we talked about it. We said, you know what? We know some of our neighbors well, and it's going to be a little uncomfortable for us. Some of them speak in a colorful language, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> some of them drink a little too much at times. Uh, some of them have lifestyles that we're not always comfortable with. But, but what we've decided is we're going to have a party at our house. We're going to have a little cookout. And we're going to invite as many neighbors as we possibly can. Because when I preach something, I'm convicted by it. And I feel like I need to take that step. If you have your journals, we've, we've been going, we've given out these journals called All In. If you have your journals... I want you to ask this question. I want you to pray about this question. Is God asking you to throw a Matthew party? It doesn't have to be a cookout like what I'm doing, but maybe it's just getting together with some people that that you can build relationships with, that you can point Jesus to. I, I want you to pray about this. Is God asking you to throw a Matthew party? Now, before we talk briefly about Thomas, Jesus making Matthew a disciple 
is a big deal. Jesus has just installed a cheating, Roman-loving, morally corrupt, spiritually challenged tax collector as a disciple. Don't miss this. This told the world, if Matthew can be a disciple, anyone can be. You can have a past. You may even have a present that's a mess. But Jesus says, come follow me. I will transform your mess into a miracle. Amen? Some of you are right there. You're looking, you're like, well, you know what? I'm not good enough. And you look at Matthew's life and he says, yeah, you're good enough. If I can choose a disciple, if I can choose a tax collector to be a disciple, it doesn't matter. Come as you are. Now, don't stay as you are, but come as you are. Because once you come to know Jesus, he's going to transform you. He's going to change your life. Here's the interesting thing about Matthew. Around 30 years after the ascension of Christ, Matthew wrote the gospel according to to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. And his gospel is more scripturally based than any other gospel. And what that means is he quotes the Old Testament 99 times. That's more than all the other three gospels. God transformed Matthew from a tax collector to a man of God's word. And and his heart is to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. Did, did, Did you catch that? He started off as a tax collector, as a cheater. And God transformed, he changed his life into a man that's pointing to the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah. He wrote this book, the Gospel of Matthew, and he points people to Jesus. Now, Matthew didn't start off being the most likely to be a disciple, but Jesus transformed him. Thomas, on the other hand, was not a tax collector, but he was a pessimist. Anyone a pessimist? Anyone know a pessimist? I think we probably know a a few people, and we may not want to admit that we fall into that category. A pessimist is a person who tends to see the what? The worst aspect of things or believe that the worst will happen. They proclaim Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. They anticipate and expect the worst all the time. One of my kids is a pessimist. We were at this little retreat, and they were in line to ride horses. And I could just see his little mind. It was just churning. And I said, son, what are you thinking? He was like, I'm thinking I might die. <laughs> I said, well, how, will you, how are you going to die? He's like, well, that horse could toss me off, and it could stomp on me, and I could die. I said, or you could ride the horse and have the time of your life and want to keep on riding forever. Yeah, that's a possibility. <laughs> he rode the horse and had a great time. But, but that's just kind of his mind. I mean, we go up to the Tower of Americas, and he goes up there, and again, I could see that. I'm like, what are you thinking? He's like, this thing may fall down. <laughs> the wind might just all of a sudden gust us and blow us out. I said, well, guess what? We get to go to heaven, so we win either way. (laughs) That's how some people are. And this is Thomas. Let me give you an example of this. John chapter 11, verse 16. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. Let me give you a little context of what's going on. This is the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was Jesus' good friend. And he's sick. He eventually dies. And, and Jesus is away, and, and they say, hey, they send word to Jesus. But the problem is, Lazarus is near, is near Jerusalem. 
And, and the last time the disciples and Jesus was in Jerusalem, people tried to kill him. They, they tried to stone him. And, and so they hear word that Lazarus is sick, that they want Jesus to come. And, and the disciples are like, man, we don't want to do this. We, we don't want to do this. But Jesus says, hey, we're going to do this. He didn't come exactly when everyone else thought he was going to come. And, and so Thomas says, okay, well, if we're going to do this, guess what? Let's go to and, and we'll die with Jesus. Now, he may be a pessimist, but he wasn't a coward. I mean, he, he had courage. An optimist would say, well, Jesus, we'll go and we'll kind of go at night and so no one will notice us. We'll, we'll, we'll work through this. But what comes to his mind automatically is, well, we're going to die. That, that, that's Thomas. The second story involving Thomas is Jesus had risen from the dead, but none of the disciples had seen him except for the women at the tomb. The disciples got together, but for whatever reason, Thomas wasn't there. Maybe he was grieving. Maybe he was depressed. Jesus actually did die, and so, man, he doesn't know what to think. And we come to John chapter 20, verses 24 to 25, and it says, One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, or Didymus, maybe what your translation says, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, What? I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, unless I put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. There's 10 other disciples that are his friends that he has done ministry with. And he says, no, I won't believe it. I won't believe it. Verses 26 to 27 says this. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. This time, Thomas was with them. The doors were what? Locked. The key, key detail here. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. He says, peace be with you. He said, he said, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. I got to tell you, when someone walks through walls, it better be Jesus. <laughs> he says, hey, calm down. And, and he uses the same words that Thomas used. I mean, you can imagine, all of a sudden Jesus appears. If, I mean, if Jesus appears right through here, and we're seeing him. And he uses the same words that Thomas had said. And then he invites him to come over, see, touch, be a part. And, and, and Jesus rebukes him here, but, but I think it's a, it's a kind rebuke. I, I think he's reminding him, hey, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. And, and then verse 28 is so powerful. It's simple, but it's so powerful. It says, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Thomas believed. He believed. He said, my Lord, my God, you're it. You're everything. It's believed that Thomas is the only apostle to go outside of the Roman Empire to preach the gospel. That he traveled to Iraq and to Iran and into India. And there is a Bar Thomas, the son of Thomas, church in India today which is supposedly began by, the Tom, by Thomas the Apostle. It's said that Thomas died as a martyr, speared to death from extra-biblical data. 
There was no doubt left in Thomas. Yes, he may have started off as a pessimist, but God transformed him and reaffirmed him and said, hey, guess what? You're going to change the world. And he took this message of hope and love and compassion and preached and preached and preached to Iraq, Iran, and India, and probably other places that we don't even know about. No matter who we are, Jesus is willing to accept us as his disciples. We all have a past. We all have skeletons. We all have things that we're ashamed of. But again, Jesus says, come as you are. You don't have to be cleaned up. And as I said again, don't stay as you are. Secondly, if you're going to be effective disciple-making disciples, we also need to be effective at loving sinners. Jesus is the great example with that. We are going to love people that may not look like us or act like us or talk like us. And then thirdly, our doubts, our fears, our bad attitudes can never diminish God's faithfulness and God's grace. Amen.